Welcome to the Wellsteading Podcast. This is episode 330. Today is July 13th, 2021. I'm your host, John Pugliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. Today, I want to talk about one of the two most important things I believe that you need to do to build and preserve your wealth, and that's diversification. And I want to do this in the guise of the reopening stocks, and that's primarily the portfolio that I bought into back in mid-October ahead of the 2020 elections. I did that in anticipation of COVID going away, of there being political stability, and of the economy reopening. That's what I call the COVID-90 portfolio. That's 90 individual stocks. I diversified into those particular stocks and those individual sectors for a reason. But that doesn't even make up my entire portfolio because that's only 90 stocks. And all told, I own somewhere around 137 or 138 individual equities. Now that's generally stocks. There are a couple in there, maybe a dozen or so that are exchange traded funds, but I consider those basically stocks. Now, why do I own so many individual positions? Well, it's because of diversification. And maybe you're not in a position to own all these stocks like I do. Maybe you're tied into one of these ratty company 401k programs that only allows you to invest in a couple index mutual funds. Well, remember, in life, things aren't perfect. They're not perfection. If you're limited to investing in a 401k plan that doesn't allow you to purchase individual stocks, well, that's just the reality of the situation. You have to play the hand you're dealt. And so in that case, you get diversification in the simplest manner by just buying into whatever of those mutual funds broadly represents the U.S. economy. And generally, that's going to be the S&P 500. So you buy that one index, And you can either choose the dollar cost average into it. I personally prefer to buy the dips. So if I was in a 401k that gave me those limited options and I wanted to have a very simple investment strategy, I would find whichever fund broadly represented the S&P 500 and I would have all my regular contributions going into the stable value fund or the money market fund or whatever version of quote cash they have in that 401k. And then whenever there's a dip in the market, whenever you turn on the mainstream media or the alternative media and you hear all the chicken littles screaming that it's the end of the world, that's the time to buy. Or whenever the S&P 500 dips down and hits its 50, 100, 200-day moving average, these are things that are very easy to calculate. You don't even have to calculate them. There are plenty of websites that will tell you what they are. You can follow along at my blog, and I'm not going to every day tell you what's going on, but you can see whenever I think there's something important, I talk about it. And so if I think we're headed to a recession, I would say that, and I would say this is not a time to buy. But if I think things are generally okay, and we get a dip, and and an index dips down to a 50, 100, or 200-day moving average, well, it's probably a good time to buy. And so rather than simply dollar cost averaging in with every paycheck, I would save my money keep it in a cash position, and then when we get the dip, I would buy into that S&P 500 fund. Now, that's the simplest way I would do it. And if I thought we were headed to a recession, I would sell my S&P 500 fund. I would move it into cash within the auspices of whatever that is in my 401k plan. 
I would stop buying into those dips and I would wait for the storm clouds to pass, for the recession fears to go away, and then I would start right back in to buying into the market. Now, what I just described to you is diversification and the simplest approach in a confined and restricted 401k program. If you wanted to be a little more creative in that 401k plan, and if you had other funds available, you could designate some money to small cap funds or to international funds or different strategies like that. But that's not the intent of today's episode. Today, I just specifically want to talk about diversification broadly, and then in particular, what I'm doing with my portfolio on a general basis. I'm not going to get into individual stocks here, but I just want to point out here, back in October, didn't buy one stock. I didn't buy one ETF. I didn't buy one mutual fund. I created the COVID-90 portfolio. That's 90 individual stocks. I added that to the core positions, which were another 45 stocks or so. Prior to last fall, already heavily invested into some industrial companies, into the banking sector, into the energy sector. And I held those positions through the COVID hysteria because I wasn't worried about them going bankrupt. I knew that they paid a solid dividend, that they were fundamentally sound companies, and their price would eventually go on to record highs. I'm making a big deal about diversification because I constantly hear from people that want to know what is that one stock to buy. Well, there isn't one stock to buy. None of us can predict the future, and we can't see unforeseen events. Whenever I hear from inexperienced investors and they hear me talk about swing trading or about active portfolio management, which is what I believe in, which is what I was just talking about, buying the dips. You buy those dips either in the indexes or in individual stocks because you think you're getting them at a discount to a future price. You only do that when you think things are improving. You heard me say that if you think we're in a recession or you think we're headed into a recession, that you wouldn't buy the dip. You bide your time. You have patience. You keep your powder dry. Because if you're headed into a recession or some other type of event that's going to prolongly keep stock prices down, then it's very probable that the index or the stock is not going to stop at its 50-day moving average, but it's going to keep falling. It's going to fall down to the 100. It's going to fall down to the 200. It's going to go down and make a, a record low. Now, you don't exactly know where that's going to be. And this is where the inexperienced people get all flustered and confused. They think that they can predict the future and that they should be able to sell at the top and buy back in at the bottom and then sell back at the top. Nobody can consistently do that. I know there's plenty of people on social media and Twitter and Facebook that all think they can, but let's face it, if they were that good, why would they be wasting their time on social media? No one can predict the future. All I try to do when I actively manage my portfolio is to avoid the big downturns. And I'm not trying to sell at exactly the top and buy back in at exactly the bottom. Throughout my 36 plus years as an individual investor, I have never bought perfectly at the bottom and sold perfectly at the top. But despite that inaccuracy, by simply trading in the middle and trading around those very simple moving averages, I have literally made millions and millions of dollars. It doesn't happen overnight, and although it's very simple, it isn't easy for most people 
because they don't have the discipline to stick with the system. And so the problem that inexperienced investors have, they come into something like a bull market like we're in right now, and they think that they can simply buy every dip and then try and sell when things go up, and they can always do that. Well, that's not the case. They will eventually get burned. Just about anyone that put new money into the market since 2020 has made a significant return on that money. Now, a lot of people think they're geniuses because of that. They all think they're Warren Buffett. That's not the case. The market simply went up. These people aren't geniuses. They simply rode the uptrend. And eventually, a downtrend will come along and it will wipe them out. That's the way these cycles work. And that's why you want to try to actively manage your portfolio to avoid those large dips, but stay in whenever market conditions are favorable. And since you can't accurately predict exactly what stocks are going to be the best, you diversify. You buy into multiple sectors. You don't put all your money into just one area of the economy because you might be wrong. So with my COVID-90 portfolio, I bought into a number of sectors of the economy that I thought would do well once the economy reopened. And so of all those sectors, I went in and I picked out the five or six or seven or 10 stocks within those sectors that I thought would do well. That's how I came up with 90 different stocks. And that's why I called it the COVID-90. It's not the COVID-10. It's not the COVID-5. It's not the COVID-22. It's the COVID-90. There are 90 stocks in that portfolio. As a group, they've done very well. They've stagnated in the last three and a half months. I'll get to that in a minute. But overall, they have far exceeded my original expectations. Some of them have done incredibly well. I'm talking performance in excess of two or 300% in the last 10 months. Currently, of those 90 stocks, nine of them, a full 10%, have gained more than 100% in these last 10 months. And I wish I had picked a COVID-9 where it was only those nine stocks that I invested in. But I would have had no way of knowing that those would be exactly the nine that would outperform. And those nine individual stocks, they're mostly all in different sectors of the economy. It depends how you break them out. There's it's a little bit of overlap there. There are some that are clustered more in the travel, entertainment, hospitality side of it that tend to be in that top 10% but not all of them. In fact, the one that performed the best, the absolute best, the one that's up nearly 400%, it's a company in the specialty chemical sector. And frankly, I just happen to get lucky with it. And that's a lot of what diversification does for you. It can make you lucky because you're spreading out your risk over a variety of industries, sectors, and companies. Of those 90 companies in the COVID-90 portfolio, there are only four that have not had a positive gain over the last 10 months. And just like the top performers, those bottom four performers really have nothing in common. And there's no big indicator that those four should have performed as poorly as they did, given how well the overall portfolio has done. So I couldn't have pinpointed the losers with accuracy, nor could I have pinpointed the winners. That's why I didn't buy five stocks or 10 stocks or 30 stocks. That's why I invested broadly in 90 stocks. Now, I want to conclude here by saying that what I did 
with the COVID-90 portfolio. And what I've been doing over the past couple years is a slight tweak. It's different than what I would have done, say, five years ago. And definitely drastically different than what I would have done 10 years ago. And it's not that my strategy has changed, my overall base strategy. That's generally remained the same. But what has changed is the level of diversification that I can purchase for myself. Prior to a couple years ago, you had to pay transaction fees even at a discount broker. Now, sometimes they weren't much. Maybe they're only 5 or $10, but that adds up. That's friction. It's a drag on your overall performance. And if you go back far enough, back to the mid-1980s when I started trading for the first time, those transaction fees were confiscatory. So you had to really do your homework and critically select a handful of positions. You couldn't afford it to go out and buy 50 or 100 individual positions. So back then, I had to focus on the best of the best. Let's say, for example, that I thought that the energy sector was going to do well. Well, my choices were either to just buy, say, ExxonMobil or Chevron, because they were the top leaders in that sector. They were the ones with the most stable balance sheet. And so I was either going to go with them, or maybe I'd invest in a sector-focused ETF that's concentrated in the energy sector or in the petroleum industry. Those were my only options. But because transaction fees have gone away, that barrier is also gone. And so today, if I want to invest in the energy sector, I don't have to choose between ExxonMobil and Chevron or in an energy ETF. I can buy them all. And I'm not even limited to the big players like ExxonMobil and Chevron. I can buy a much smaller player like Devon Energy. And so that's exactly what I do. That's why I have much larger stock portfolios today than I would have five years ago. Another change, and this has happened just recently, it happened as a result of COVID, and definitely a prime factor of not only why I invested in the COVID-90, but why I am holding on to right now are much smaller companies, companies with less financially sound balance sheets that I normally would have invested in. Now, hey, don't get ahead of yourself. I'm not saying that I went out and bought a bunch of junk bond type companies. No, I did my research. The first thing I always screen for is fundamentally sound companies. So it isn't that I went out willy-nilly and bought just anybody, but I did lower my overall standards. And the reason I did that gets back to the overall proposition of risk-reward. First off, I'm not putting all my money in any one of these companies. Because I own so many companies, my individual exposure to any one of these little companies is minute. And the even bigger reason is, is that the Federal Reserve has come in and it has backstopped this economy. It's done it in a way that's even greater than what it did during the Great Recession. Right now, the Federal Reserve is adding $120 billion a month to their balance sheet. That is propping up all the bad assets. Everything from individual stock prices to small businesses to municipal bonds to cryptocurrency. I lowered my financial balance sheet standards on a lot of these companies because I think there's very little risk that any of them are going to go bankrupt as long as the Federal Reserve continues to put a put under this economy. The bottom line is that the 10-year Treasury has not been above 3.25% for the last 10 years. 
It's much less than half of that right now, and there's plenty of slack in the system for it to be increased if and when the economy is ready for that. So I just want to finish up by saying that the other day, I put out an alert over at investablewealth.com. I showed a chart that's sort of a proxy for these reopening stocks and tracks fairly well with the overall COVID-90 portfolio. If you look at that chart, you'll see that in the last three months or so, the reopening stocks, the COVID-90 portfolio, has stagnated. It's not gone on to beat its record high, which was put in in mid-March. And that means that in the last few months, it's underperformed the major indices. I'm not worried about that because the overperformance prior to March was so great. And I think that those companies are showing resilience in the spite of fears over hyperinflation and COVID variants and everything else. Those companies are consolidating. They're building a long base. And I think they're highly more likely to break up than to break down. And so the way I calculate the probabilities is that I think that the upside potential of the reopening stocks is two to three times higher than the likely performance of the S&P 500 through the rest of the year. And so that's why I haven't sold those stocks. That's why I've stayed in those positions. I want to stick with my winners and I continue to buy these dips with any type of available new cash that I, that I receive. I'm just reinvesting in those 137 or 138 individual stocks that I currently own. Whenever I see a dip or some kind of a pullback, to me, that's an opportunity to buy in because I easily think the upside potential is 10 or 15%, if not a lot more. And that's just through the end of the year. Well, hey, as always, remember, this is just my opinion. You can take it for what it's worth. And remember, I do appreciate your time. Thanks so much for listening. Until the next episode, this is John Pugliano wishing you the very best returns.